It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Game day as the Sharks get ready to do it again with the Kings. They just played them the other night, and they'll play them again in a couple of days. But hey, let's enjoy this while it lasts. The Sharks uh, sitting on a win, 4-3 in overtime the other night against the Kings. Um, as I talked about the other day at length on Morning Tide, the difference to me was just the immediate impact of Eric Carlson. And I'm not trying to take away from a Barbanov or from a Brent Burns or from a Tomas Hurdle or whoever you want to look to in that game that ended up scoring a goal. Um, I just can't go any farther than Eric Carlson. His impact on the game was immediately palpable, and Bob Bugner even said as much that it had a transform transformative effect on the team. And that's exactly what you expect to have in terms of a player like Eric Carlson. And again, I know that everybody points to the contract and you know they'll go on and on and on and on and on, but Eric Carlson is that good. People forget that before he went down with injury this year, he was easily one of the best 10 defensemen in the league. People forget that when he went down in the 2019-2020 uh, season, his second season in San Jose, he was the Sharks' leading point scorer. I mean, Eric Carlson, I understand there have been injuries, and that's, of course, something that you don't want to have happen, but it hasn't been the angle that everybody was worried about. It's It's been other things, and it's been relatively, um, you know, freaky and not, you know, some consistent pattern of a problem. So right now with Carlson, you do just, you feel bad for him because he's been a little bit snake bit in that capacity, and you hope that he'll be healthy from here on out, and you hope that he helps the Sharks really have a bit of a... Uh, a turn for the better, as obviously the Sharks' record without him, it speaks for itself. They were not winning many games. They did not do very well without him, and they have one win with him back in the lineup, and I think there's a good chance that could continue tonight against the Kings and what I feel will be a pretty good environment and what I feel will be a pretty good game once again against L.A. Now, L.A. has some changes and some injuries they're making to their lineup. Of course, the Sharks placed Ryan Dezingle on waivers. That's another thing to pay attention to here out of this game is we are seeing that Alex Stalock has gone to the Barracuda. He's been assigned there. That also means that we expect to see uh, Aiden Hill making the start tonight against L.A. Obviously, things could change, but that's pretty much the read that we have at this point at the time of recording on Saturday afternoon. So for the Sharks, you know, it'll be really interesting to see what Aiden Hill looks like going into this game because it's been a while since he last played. And then you do wonder, obviously, about that rust and how much the Sharks can absorb and how much Hill can absorb. And, you know, it's all it's all part of the equation, right? I mean, Bob Bugner and his entire coaching staff are making these decisions together and trying to figure out how to give themselves the best possible chance tonight against L.A. because they have another tough opponent against Florida on Tuesday night in what is going to be an emotional night. Joe Thornton's return to San Jose for the first time since exiting the franchise. Then you're at L.A. on Thursday night. And then you're back home 
on Friday night, a rare Friday night game against Colorado. Then you've got a Sunday nighter hosting or Sunday afternooner hosting Arizona. So the schedule keeps on throwing punches at the Sharks after Arizona. It's at Calgary, then at Edmonton, back home for Anaheim on a Saturday night, and then at Arizona, at Colorado. It's all part of the fun. So it'll be very, very interesting to see what the Sharks can do over this stretch. But obviously, you go no further than tonight. You just beat L.A. the other night. You feel like you can beat them again tonight. At least that's how I look at this game. L.A. does not present to me as a team that is worlds better than San Jose. I think they've been a good team this year, and they deserve respect, obviously. But the Sharks, with Eric Carlson back out there on the ice, are clearly a different team, and I expect that to play out in this game, and I I imagine it will. So we will get more and more of this tonight. And then, of course, another thing to pay attention to is while Ryan Dezingle has been placed on waivers, he did clear them, however, so we'll see what the Sharks are going to do with that going forward. But Jonathan Leonard has been absolutely on fire for the Barracuda in the AHL, and I've always really liked what Jonathan Leonard could bring in terms of his game and his speed. And I thought that he was just kind of, he was missing a little bit of it last year. And I think he got tired early on. I know that he was uh, training very hard with Mario Ferraro and those guys are old college roommates and good friends. And, you know, I think that Mario wanted to rub off some of his training on Leonard and see what that could do for his game. And, you know, Leonard is one of those guys that has that skill set to really add something out there if he can put it all together. So if he does put it all together, then you'd like to see what can happen next. Because I am very, very excited to see if he does get an opportunity to come up with the Sharks and see if he does get an opportunity to play more, and especially now that his game has seemingly grown so much. I mean, I know that the AHL to the NHL is obviously not an apples-to-apples to comparison, but you, you feel like when guys show these sudden leaps and bounds in growth, you know, you're like, okay, let's, let's take advantage of that. Let's get this guy out there on the ice. Let's see if you can continue that and see what he is now versus what he was a year ago. I know that's, that's what I want to see. I know that that's what the whole idea of developing a player is all about. You want to improve their game. You want to turn them into a better player. So that's all part of what we're seeing with the San Jose Sharks. And, you know, with Leonard and what he's been doing in the AHL, I, I would love to see it up here as well, because as much as I enjoy Ryan Dezingle and think that he's a, you know, he's an NHL player. It's like you have an idea of what you're going to get. John Leonard provides a little bit of the unknown and provides a little bit more of, hey, let's see if this guy is ready to take that next step in his career. I don't know that he is. I don't know that he isn't. But it's something that I am curious about, especially given his speed, which, you know, speed doesn't slump. It's always out there. And getting guys like him and Noah Gregor out there, putting them on the wings. I mean, it does. It gives you, you know, kind of wild ideas of what, you know, the Sharks of the future could be. And obviously you're waiting to see what these guys turn into as professionals. And, you know, we're we're seeing it before us with Noah Gregor all the time. And I think Noah Gregor has been snake bit. I think he's a lot better than his numbers imply. But, you know, it'll it'll be fun to see. Um, I don't want to delay any further. We are now joined by Lisa Dillman, who covers the Kings and writes the NHL for The Athletic. Lisa, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm terrific. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate your time. Um, Obviously, you know, I think that, the, the Sharks probably uh, found a way to uh, annoy the Kings a little bit the other night and have a come-from-behind win, and, you know, it kind of has changed the the narrative of what I'm sure the Kings thought they were getting in the Sharks the other night um, because the Kings have been, um, you know, so remarkably, in my opinion, just ahead of schedule, and that's, that's another topic we can discuss. But, um, you know, what's your read of the Kings after that loss to the Sharks the other night, knowing what a hot battle they're in for a playoff spot? Well, yeah, and I, I, I like the... the- series of games against a similar opponent like well, that's one of the components of last season I enjoyed were the mm-hmm. were the back-to-back games so you can really see 
trends unfold and matchups and how coaches would adjust. So with three games against the Sharks in eight days, I, I, I'm probably, I don't know how the coaching staff feels, but <laughs> I, I sure enjoy seeing it. And the Kings um, will have <laughs> this, the challenges keep piling up. I mean, I think since, since uh, Sharks fans would have last seen the Kings, they, the Kings have a couple more updates in terms of injuries. Um, Andreas Athanasiu was placed on IR today. And, um, you know, we're all trying to figure out when exactly did that injury happen. But yeah. then again, he's often injured. So he could have re-aggravated something. We, we won't know till later today. So they had to um, make some adjustments. They called up Rasmus Kapari from the OHL. I mean, from, I'm sorry, from the AHL yesterday. And then they also called up an extra defenseman, Christian Willannon, who will uh, probably be the extra, extra D-man tonight. So. I think the deep core will pretty much look the same as, as it did the other day. So uh, it's a pretty, pretty inexperienced decor to say the least. What do you um, think about the Kings in terms of where they are right now? I mean, there were a lot of people who predicted the Sharks, Kings and the Ducks to be the bottom three of the division. And, you know, the Sharks, obviously, they've had a tough time as of late dealing with injuries that kind of snapped their uh consistency for lack of a better term from earlier in the year where they were more in the thick of things. But, you know, I think especially the Kings, people did not see them in this place when the season was, was starting. Everybody I talked to said, you know, it was going to be the bottom three were California. And then we can talk about the rest of the Pacific. Yeah. And my, myself included, I mean, and, and it's not just writers and broadcasters and fans, it's the bookmakers in Vegas. So I have, I, I enjoy looking at the odds from, like when the season started in October to, to like where they thought teams would finish and, and other, other, others had the Kings finishing, you know, within, with an 85 point season and, mm-hmm. and they're on a hundred point pace. So yeah, the, 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 you know, they kind of have turned the corner. They said that the rebuild is, is over. You know, I sort of sense it's, I, I phrase it as the rebuilds entering another new phase. I guess I have to figure out a creative word to describe it, but <laughs> You know, they they have they have turned the corner and and I think they they are definitely ahead of schedule um and I can go into those reasons why if if you'd like me to do yeah, so but pl- please yeah <laughs> cuz I think the sharks want to be what the kings are where there were some of those premier talents from a previous and much more successful generation hung around and now it's quickly got them back into the fray in the west yeah, and I think it shows. It shows that you don't necessarily need to, you know, tear the whole team down. Uh, that you can have holdovers that that still have a lot to add and the experience and championships pedigree and and just 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 to you know hand it on to the younger generation. Um, so you don't you don't need to get rid of everybody. Um, and and it, what they did last summer shows that you can you can make significant meaningful progress with a couple of selective moves. You know. Victor Arvidsson via a trade where they, you know, had to give up. They didn't have to give up a first round draft pick. They gave up a second, a third. And then they jumped into free agency and, and made, you know, a, a fantastic move by signing, you know, Philip Deneau and, and Alec, mm-hmm. actually Alex Edler on the same day. But um, the, the Deneau acquisition through free agency has, has clearly, clearly been the biggest, biggest and most beneficial move for them. It's helped slot everybody else in the lineup. It's taken taking the pressure off Kopitar in a, in a huge way, you know, defensively and offensively. What do you make of the fact that the Kings are so much better on the road than they are at home? <laughs> you know, I, I honestly, I don't know what to think of that. It, it, it's crazy. And before I was actually looking at the numbers before our phone call and, you know, they have the third best road record in the league. Um, yeah. I, 
I, I wish I knew because it's, it's a lot of the things people would have pointed to like last year saying, you know, no fans in the building, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, the different challenges that went along with the last couple of seasons, but they just seem to be, you know, a different, far more, I wouldn't say more resilient team, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't even, I don't even know if, if the coaching staff really has a, an adequate explanation for the, the big disparity. It's it's odd though. I mean, it's just it's not what you would expect to see, at least. But this is what I do. I you know I am used to what the Kings were before, like I alluded to earlier that that previous era where they were very very good at home, and it was it was always going to be a tough challenge. And then I guess that leads us to tonight's game, where you know I'm I'm not quite sure what to expect because, like you alluded to, there are some changes in the lineup for the Kings. There's going to be some changes for the Sharks, and now uh, this is the Kings where they've been the, ostensibly a better team this year. Yeah, and you know, I think, I mean, from your end, you know, from your side, you know, Eric Carlson, Eric Carlson coming back, it's it's like it's like getting Drew Doughty back mm-hmm. in the lineup when the when the Kings are missing him after he had a serious knee surgery in October. I mean, you just, I mean, I'm sorry, not knee knee injury, I should say. When you have a player like that out and he comes back, it just it just gives you know a boost to the to the entire lineup. So, um, as far as tonight, I mean, the Kings the Kings have been resilient when they've had some of their yeah, I wouldn't. I definitely would not classify the last game as a clunker. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they've had, you know, poor performances, they have come back quite well in the in the in the next game. They seem to have gotten the message. But like again, you know, they're out with their their top top D pair is out. You know, second leading scorer Victor Arvidsson is is out. So I'm not making excuses, but I'm just it's it's difficult to predict what might transpire tonight, you know, without those players that have been in the lineup that have usually been around when they've had a good bounce back effort. I'm curious if you think the, uh, the rivalry between these two teams is coming back because that was, you know, for so long, it was like the sharks and the Kings and the sharks and the ducks, like the California teams, when they were all running hot, like it was really fun. Like every time they went against each other, it was going to be physical. It felt dramatic and that's faded for, for obvious reasons, but it did feel like there was a little bit more of that in the game the other night, the sharks, you know, trying to get things rolling again, they get Carlson back. It just felt like there was some physicality, a little bit more of, um, you know, some bad blood out there. And obviously, you know, it, it's all on the ice alone. I don't want to be yeah. over dramatic, but I mean, it felt like, Hey, this kind of feels like the sharks and Kings of old. Yeah. And that can only be good for hockey. I mean, uh, if there's, if there, the rivalries continue to develop like the way, you know, they're, they're starting to, again, you know, Kings, ducks, sharks, ducks, um, it's only good, good for hockey. Yeah. And, and it, that's when, that's when we really, you know, the fans are far more engaged. We're more engaged. It's just, it just brings everybody brings another, brings it all to another level. And, and I, I think, I think it, could, it will get there. I mean, you're seeing, you know, the ducks until lately, they seem to have hit the wall mm-hmm. obviously, but, but, you know, they, they're making improvements. The sharks are making improvements. I think, you know, rebuilds don't need to take 10 years or five years or even three years. You, you can turn it around quickly. And, um, you know, and, and that's a cool thing is back to the, the Sharks and the Kings. I mean, there's so much history, you know, between the two teams. I mean, they, you know, they have the coach and the, the coach and the general manager. You know, the general manager played for the Sharks. And then, of course, we all know about Todd and even Trent Yanni was with Todd and, and San Jose. So, you know, all that familiarity does add an extra, you know, element to it. 
Of course, it'll make it all the much more uh, more fun indeed. Well, Lisa, I will let you go because I know you've got a busy day as always, but I appreciate your time and the great work you're doing with The Athletic, and I'll bug you again for an interview soon, okay? Well, thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you again in person someday. Again, that was Lisa Dillman of The Athletic joining us here on the Build Up on the Sharks Audio Network as we get ready for tonight's game against the Kings. Uh, obviously, our pregame coverage starts at 6 with the game starting at 6.30. And, of course, Dan Rusinowski will be with you to bring you all the action, as always, as the Sharks look to make it two wins in a row. And they haven't done that in a while. Obviously, you don't need to uh, have that explained to you, but you got to start momentum at some point, right? I mean, you got to have some sort of momentum point where things change. And to me, it's very obvious that with Eric Carlson back in the lineup, you can create some momentum in that capacity. Also, I look at the fact that Tomas Hurdle, who had not been scoring much as of late, he got one. And so that was obviously something that he kind of needed to break through that wall. And I think that you're probably looking at something like that with Timo Meyer. He's cooled as of late. The Sharks... You know, obviously, I'm not trying to absolve them of any of this, but they've had a number of things kind of trend away from what they need to do to have success, at least on the offensive end, even though the power play has been better. And the penalty kill has been really good. It's just getting more of those five-on-five goals. You know, I love that the power play is better, but you can't just have your five-on-five game just disappear in terms of offense. You can't just continually get beat. You can't fail to create opportunities for your team. You've got to be better than that. Obviously you've got to be the team that you know, you're capable of being. I think that, you know, I'm not breaking any, you know, major news here, but it's something that is most definitely a factor. And obviously part of that was Eric Carlson, not being out there on the ice, but you know, it's something that I keep on harping upon the sharks. We expect the momentum to swing in their favor, but they've got to be the ones to do it. And that means that they have got to be putting in the hard work and, you know, obviously you've had some goalie situations with injuries. You have had a number of key players that have not been out there on the ice. You've had to deal with a lot as of late. And then you, know, you hope that the Sharks can weather the storm and that this is an opportunity where they can get themselves back into things. And I, I don't, you know, I'm not basing that off of hope. It's just what else do you expect to happen? I don't think it's going to get any worse for the Sharks. And, you know, it will be within the realm of expectations for them to be a quote unquote 500 team. But, you know, now they have an opportunity where they do have one win against the Kings. They've already beaten the Kings this year. Let's see if they can do it again and then take that on to the next team and then to the next team. I mean, they're just, there has to be momentum somewhere. There has to be some sort of a step forward at some point because this team won four to start the year and then was up and down and 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 up and down until they come out of the all-star break with that Eric Carlson and they trended downward in a hurry. And they were able to obviously get some you know random wins in there, but it's obviously not been good enough. They need to do more on offense in particular. And you know it's frustrating because my whole thought was that with the Sharks putting so much of an emphasis on their defensive identity that eventually they were going to be able to figure things out on offense when they were thinking about the defense a little less when it just became more and more of their DNA. What we have seen, though, is that more and more of their quote-unquote DNA is just a team that has trouble scoring. I mean, that's kind of what it is because it feels like their defensive game, they can do a lot, they can do things well, they can put themselves in a position, only giving up one goal going into the third, only giving up two goals going into the third, you know, taking a 2-2 game into overtime. But if that offense isn't there, obviously, it's just... It's not enough. They need to have all things clicking. They need to play a near-perfect game. They did not play a near-perfect game the other night against L.A., but they kept themselves within striking distance, you know, down 3-1. 
It just takes one goal to get yourself back into it. It just takes one more after that to send it to overtime. And luckily, the Sharks were able to capitalize upon that. It wasn't easy by any way, shape, or form. But, you know, if you're Bob Bugner, you're saying, okay, guys, we've gotten shootout and overtime wins. Let's see if we can get ourselves a regulation win here. Let's, again, win that second game in a row and see if there's a point to tonight's game or something they're able to figure out in the last two games that will allow them to take, once again, positive steps forward. Because... Into the All-Star break, the Sharks team one month to the month, one month to the next was better and better and better. And then you had that very sudden and harsh regression when they came back from the All-Star break that obviously carried over into the month of June. But now opportunity presents itself. Be sure to join me tomorrow morning on Morning Tide for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey signing off.